that doesn't come out, but that's what's there. And then the same thing with children and babies. He wants to protect the life of the unborn. That's the father's heart thinking operating through his anointing. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. And today on the phone lines, we have Tom Clark. He's the author of a children's book series called Papa Tom's Tales, a grandfather's bedtime stories. And he's with us today to discuss that series and tell us about book one, The Boy Who Found His Name and Much More. So Tom, I understand you are quite the family man and uh, you also are a business person. You are principal and financial advisor at Blue Ocean Partners in Vienna, Virginia, a very pretty part of the country. So welcome to Charisma Connection. Thank you. Actually, to be more clear, I was in the financial services industry. I retired August 15th of 2019. Oh, you've been uh, blessed to retire, have you? Yes, I have. Well, very good. Now you can spend more time with your children and your grandchildren. True, true, true that. Well, uh, you go by Papa Tom. Is that the name that your grandchildren call you, or how did you get that special title? Yes, I I never really liked the title grandfather or grandpa, uh, so I wanted a, a different name for myself, so I kind of told my grandchildren I would like to, them to call me Papa. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause they always called their dads Daddy, you know, their, their natural fathers, mm-hmm. so they, they occupied that name, obviously, and yeah. I was not their daddy, but I was their papa. And, Very nice. Uh, it's a, it's a it sweet... Distinguished me, yeah, it distinguished me from the other grandfathers that they would have. <laughs> well, true, true. I mean, <laughs> you know, when you've got grandparents, you've got if you've got two full sets, you've got to think about how to distinguish them. So uh, do you have one grandchild or a whole heap of them? I think I know the answer to this. Yeah, a whole heap of them. Um, I have 11, mm. actually 10 and a half. Okay. <laughs> There's still one bun in the oven. It's 24 weeks old. Uh-huh. I'm praying, uh, believing God for 18. Children's families had four miscarriages, so there's four in heaven, mm. 11 on the earth, and uh, more to come. Well, I can see that you enjoy spending time with the little ones. Yeah, I, I love the interaction that I can have with them. And one of the big interactions I learned to have with them that I always looked forward to before I had grandchildren mm-hmm. was reading them books. Yes. I just, there's something, there's something really connecting and kinetic in the relationship when you can sit them on your lap on the couch and be giving, reading books. And, um, uh, so when I saw having grandchildren, I, I, when I had children, I never went to a bookstore looking in the children's section. Huh. But when I had grandchildren, I went to the bookstore to look for children's books that I could sit them down and read them to. Uh-huh. And um, when I, I never really found, well, actually, it's, that's not true. I found one really good author uh, out of looking at hundreds of books. Um, the one I'm mentioning his name is Kobe Kamado, and he wrote a book of uh, what do you do with an idea? What oh. do you do with a problem? Um, these kinds of 
books that are very creative. They're not, they're not, they're appealing to a child that's younger, but the books could be for all ages. I mean, there's a, there's a certain thing, uh, a concept that unless you become like a child again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's a thought behind that. It even uh, I see a child in people who are 60 years old. There, there's a child likeness that's very refreshing and uh, an openness to their imagination. You know, as, as children get older, it seems like their cosmos of their thinking gets more and more closed down, unfortunately. But God didn't create us that way. He really wants us to expand our mind, open our minds up. And um, the books that this guy writes, this author writes, I really found appreciative. And that was the only books I've actually bought for my grandchildren, other than the ones that God has been inspiring me to, uh, to uh, write myself. And, well, uh, your, uh, your Papa Tom's Tales, they are a grandfather's bedtime stories. Is this going to be an entire series then? Yes. I've actually written six. Okay. And I have the titles to the all 12. Um, each book deals with a fear ah. that a child is likely to have in their life and how the love of God overcomes the fear. Because I realized, um, you know, um, I think I said in the back of my book, uh, after my children had grown up, I was asking myself the question, how could I have been a better father? Mm -hmm. And the thought came to me that the way I could be a better father is to help them overcome their fears. Well, it's a little bit more difficult when they're 20, in their 20s and 30s over out of the house already. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, how can I help my grandchildren be, overcome their fears? And first of all, you've got to identify what they are and then give them a release from them because um, all fears are, are based upon lies yes. uh, that people have been told and, and uh, all the mistakes that anybody will ever make in their life uh, comes from a, a lie. I mean, if you, if you only understand what's true, you'll make a mistake. Um, and so there's a lot of little things. You can't try to prevent your kids from, you know, you're not a perfectionist. You're trying to help them avoid making all mistakes. That's not really not the issue. The issue is trying to uh, enthuse them with the um, major concepts, uh, major thought processes um, uh, that help them overcome the major fears. And then uh, it's much easier to deal with the minor ones once you get the major ones locked down. So which fear did your first book address, and then uh, what are some of the other fears that you plan on writing about? Okay. The first fear that the, the title of the book is called The Boy Who Found His Name. I made that a positive thing because I was going to title it The Boy Who Didn't Know Who He Was, mm -hmm. um, but that was more of a negative thing, and I really thought about and prayed about that and really came to the conclusion that Everything that I really want to write about needs to be positive. So it's a boy who, the book is about identity. Mm -hmm. And it starts out with a child, um, the, uh, the protagonist in all 12 series of Papa Tom's Tales is my oldest grandson, Luke. Okay. And Luke, who I think Luke and his family was visiting me just last weekend, and we went uh, picking um, apples in Winchester, Virginia. That's mm -hmm. a whole other story. But Luke's name means light bearer. And so as the protagonist in the whole series, uh, God began to inspire me to write these books, by the way, through dreams. 
uh, in almost every case, I would have a dream on a Friday night, and then I began to write the story uh, for four or five hours on a Saturday morning when I woke up. And in most of the dreams, well, all the dreams obviously had pictures of them in my mind, and a lot of the storytelling that I wrote into the book was backfilling the conversation that I saw happening in the dream. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the first one, like I said, is about identity. It's about a boy who didn't know who his name was, and uh, he meets Luke, uh, who's the light bearer. And the, the connotation with that is the one who brings light onto the earth, the one who brings the truth, the, the symbolism between the light and the truth. And he brings light because he's bringing the truth. So uh, he helps each one of these children, Luke the light bearer, in, um, in all these stories, will deal with different children with different fears. And uh, he, he connects them to God the Father. Mm-hmm. And the God the Father teaches them when they go, they go up to heaven, and God the Father teaches them um, truths about themselves, about the world, and how things are. There's a lot of teaching going on in, uh, in each book. Each book that I've written so far, I went back and uh, in the text realized that there were at le- a minimum of 24 points of biblical truth in each book. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, do you think that children are going to grasp all of those? Well, it's interesting because the, the books are really written on a spirit-to-spirit level. Mm. And what the Lord showed me was that um, the person reading the book, in most cases the parent, the parent or the grandparent, will actually get something out of it as much as the child, as much as the listener. Mm-hmm. So both the reader and the listener will get something out of it because there is a spirit, there's a spirituality that's ignited uh, in in the books, in your imagination, in different things. And every one of the books that I've given away to mothers, uh, the feedback says, my kid, uh, my child, you know, <laughs> or kid, my child uh, loves your books. He, he, like one two-year-old, which is it's really aimed for people like six to ten, uh, but the, the two-year-old said, name, 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 mommy, read me name, or mm. he keeps pointing to the book name, every night before he goes to bed. And um, the, uh, the ones with little older brothers and sisters, the mother told me that um, they always ask them very interesting questions. And the, the mothers are encouraged in reading the, the, the books to the children because the questions they're asking, the questions mm-hmm. about, you know, heaven, the question about God. And, 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 and it's really, the, and this is where I really owe it to my uh, illustrator, Jerry Mossenbach, which is his, He's a very well-known illustrator, but this is the first time he's ever done children's books. Hmm. And the way he has been able to capture concept art and, um, you know, paint. Literally every, every page has been painted. Um, actually, it's added the production cost because we don't just have two colors. You know, many of the pages will have, you know, six, seven, eight different colors in them. Um, so they're literally works of art every page. Um, but, the, but the real meaning behind them is the is the concept art that goes with him to try to communicate not just the words, which are very important, um, but also the, the concepts and pictures. They always say a picture's worth a thousand words, okay? So how do you communicate these concepts using your imagination? And it's, um, uh, I believe it's inspired 
because the things that I'm describing, kind of like the well, they're well out there, uh, are actually true. So, you know, it's not like some people can use your imagination to give you ideas that are false, right? Yeah. They're imaginative, but they're not really true. But these are imaginations that are actually true. I mean, heaven is actually like this in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, not that I bed to heaven because I can't claim that to be true, but I, I can claim that I have the dreams about the different pictures that came into my head about it. Mm-hmm. So um, getting back to the, to the point of the story, um, God teaches them these different truths and um, begins to uh, tell this child what his name is and why his name was what it was, his name being Michael. And then he describes to him what the word Michael means one who stands in the place of God. So throughout the book, when words are coming out, I also explain in the book what those words mean because they have importance um, to the storyline and and what's happening. So the child, going on his journey, each child goes on a journey, and um, in his particular case, he um, finds out his name is Michael, and then God describes to him why he named him Michael and what his calling and destiny is mm-hmm. with that name. So he gets his identity, but he also gets a ins- not, he gets an insight into what his, his calling and destiny are. It sounds so, like an important lesson that is just critical to every child to get that when they're young. So how did you get connected with your illustrator? Um, that was another interesting story. I, as you mentioned earlier, previously, that I was in the financial services, which is true. And uh, one of my clients in Manassas, Virginia, I read him the story textually, say, written down. And he said, that's a fantastic story. I said, what do, well, what do you need? And I said, well, I really need an illustrator. So he said, well, and this gentleman was in his 70s. He said, my family knows just the perfect illustrator for you. Hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it's a man that, a younger man, you know, to his age, who was a person who was in his late 40s and 50s, uh, who is the son of one of the families that we've known in Virginia for 50 years. And uh, he was a very talented young boy growing up. He cut his teeth with USA Today in Roslyn, Virginia. And then... Um, went on to do illustrations. He does illustrations for all the big tech companies like Amazon, Google, and so on and so forth on the West Coast. Hmm. Uh, you can you can Google his name and you can find uh, all sorts of works of his. I mean, hundreds if not thousands of illustrations in all different areas. I mean, some of them are science fiction. Some of them are, uh, you know, like uh, Saturday Evening Post would look like or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very imaginative. Uh, he works with a church, now out in Kansas City, Missouri, works with a church out there, has his own production company. And uh, I had a very difficult time finding him. I, he, when my client gave me his um, his telephone number, I called it and tried to get in touch with him and never responded for about six weeks. Finally, I texted him one night around 4 o'clock and mentioned the client's name. The first name was Don. And... Uh, he uh, he called me back like around 4:30, and we had like an hour, an hour and a half conversation. I read him all four books. He says, "I'm in." 
He says, they're great books. I've always wanted to do a children's book. And uh, let's go. So oh, uh, he created the logo. You see on the front cover, it says Papa Tom's Tales with a banner. Mm-hmm. And um, the type, the logo, um, as well as the different characters. Um, you know, picking the colors. You see the, the colors of what they wear change when they go from Earth to being in heaven. Oh, and uh, mm-hmm. the child didn't know his name, has a black outfit on with skull and crossbones in the beginning. But then when he um, finds out what his name is, all that his clothes change color and church design uh, into uh, white and purple and his heart and his heart's beaming. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a very uplifting story, but it's not uplifting just for the sake of uplifting. I think the fundamental reason why I, I was led to do this first book, The Boy Who Found His Name, because the fundamental issue in everyone's life is who they are. Yes. If you don't know who you are, how can you, how can you go on from there? I mean, you got every other problem you develop, you can develop from that one point. So finding out who you are um, is, is essential and critically important. And here's the other point of that. You can only find out who you are by knowing God. Mm-hmm. And yes. That, and that comes to you because um, only God can tell you who you are. He's and our creator. And if you don't have a connection with mm-hmm. pardon? He's our creator. Yes. But it's like, if you want to, like it says in, in the story when, when um, God says to uh, Michael, he says, now that you know who you are, you need to know who I am. Yes. Those two like things definitely does. work together. Knowing God and yeah. know, knowing ourselves. No, yeah, and, and and the more we can know God, the more it comes clear that we know ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, God showed me that, actually, in the Scripture, when uh, in, in three different places. Um, one place was when um, Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? And their response was, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah. So his disciples is, is giving him evidence, third-party Secondary evidence, you will, from what other people say. And then Jesus says to him, no, I said, I, I don't care what other people say. Who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjonah, for my Father in heaven revealed that to you. See, Jesus knew it was only through the Father that his identity could be revealed. So the only true place that Peter could have heard that from was from the Father. Yes. 85% of children's like it is said, I've just listened to some research on this, 85% of a uh, father's words affect a child's identity, both good or bad. So a father, a natural father's words to a child are critically important to the development of that child's identity. Mm-hmm. Much more so than the mother's. That's not a chauvinistic statement, just the way it is. Hmm. Um, well, it's so important we that our families are mother. intact. It's important well, that our families are intact, and it seems to me that as as a grandfather, you have a lot to, to give to children, um, you know, to your own as well as others through this through this uh, book writing ministry. Do you consider it a ministry or a call? 
Yeah, certainly uh, a calling. I, I don't. I guess ministry, and some some people's perception of ministry would be that. Um, I think uh, the Lord has been transitioning me into more of a ministry type functions now that I've retired mm-hmm. in, a, in a Christian worldview. Um, I don't look at it as a ministry in the same classical sense of a pastor or something like that. But in, in, in many questions, it comes out of this concept of a father's heart. All my children, both my sons and my son-in-laws, or I don't call, I could call them son-in-law, but I call them my covenant sons. Hmm. My covenant sons and my natural sons, I make it very clear to them that I will do everything I can to support them as a father. Yes. In their families. And because I totally realize that the breakdown of the family comes from a breakdown of a father, an absentee father, a father just not being there, or no man stepping up into the role of being a father. Mm -hmm. In the black community, somewhere between 70% and 85% of the families have no fathers. Yes, it's amazing. And the breakdown of those families lead to ghettos and poverty and and so on, and and really bad situations. And in fact, if you roll it back further, it's been an attack on masculinity, hmm. because a lot of the culture has really put down men. And a, a young boy, when he matures into a man, to really mature into the fullness of his manhood. He takes on father-like characteristics. Well, that is that is so true. What you so true? What you said about masculinity, because all you have to do is watch a sitcom, and you'll know that men are being put down. Mm -hmm. Men are being put down with the evil purpose of preventing them or stopping them from developing into fathers. Any man who has a father's heart is a man who will be a protector. Mm-hmm. He'll also be a provider. He also will be a teacher. Those characteristics go hand in glove yes. with being a father. And, and, and I don't want to be gender specific on this, but um, because I think women can develop those characteristics and and have a father heart from a spiritual basis, mm-hmm. uh, have a father's heart character in them, not character, maybe uh, attributes, the attributes of protecting, providing, and teaching um, are not gender specific. And they're also not specific to a human being who sires a child biologically. You know, there's a, I, I could be a father to someone. Uh, it, it scripturally, I'll say this. You have many teachers, but you have a few fathers. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. There is and such so, a thing as a spiritual father as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the point that I'm trying to elicit. I'm glad you brought that out. It's a, it's a spiritual father nature, and that father wants to protect, provide, and teach. And that's, that's in the father's heart for men to step into those shoes and there's very few men that actually step in that shoes. And uh, if I could be politically radioactive, <laughs> I would say that Donald Trump has a father's heart. Mm. And he has shown that he has a father's heart uh, in the way that he desires to protect the citizens in the United States, provide for them, 
if you if you look at protection, he's for a wall, right? Mm-hmm. That's a protection thought process. He's also for pro-life. Yes. He's protecting the babies. See, that comes out of the father's heart spiritually, that he wants to protect the United States from crime, from drug trafficking, from human trafficking. Uh, that's why the wall's there. He, he wants people to come into the United States, but he wants them to come in legally. So they're vetted coming in, not the abuse of the laws for evil purposes. So mm-hmm. there's a protection thought process in his mind that doesn't come out, but that's what's there. And then the same thing with children and babies. He wants to protect the life of the unborn. That's the father's heart thinking operating through his anointing. The other thought about the provision he wants to provide, look what he wants to do with the economy. And he doesn't, you know, he's, he's colorblind about that. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're Hispanic or Indian or Chinese or whatever. He, he wants the uh, ability of uh, people to provide, more specifically families to provide, businesses to thrive. Um, and he's helping the fathers within families provide for their own families through the economy. That's a provision aspect. Yes. The other thing that he communicates, and people really don't get this because it's like a populist movement, he's teaching people about basically um, freedom. And the teaching has to do with the uh, attempt by basically what I would describe as evil forces wanting to be to take control of our freedom. That's why he says, I want to give the control, the control of the government back in the hands of the people. He said that in the inauguration uh, speech. It's, it's, I'm going to teach you about freedom. This is, this is what uh, makes you free because the other forces that I'm arrayed against, the deep state and the people who have captured the Democratic Party, the forces that be behind the Democratic Party, are globalists. Their liberal agenda is really to get control at the federal level and control every aspect of our lives. A good father doesn't want his children to be controlled. A good father doesn't want tyranny. A good father wants freedom for his children. He wants his children to be free. So he's teaching us that. We're teaching people about that. So those are the aspects of what that would be. And uh, if I might even go further out on a limb, I would say that (laughs) The Lord has shown me that uh, in Scripture there are three, you know, the forefathers of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the United States, there are three, there are three fathers that God has used and is using as fathers. George Washington established the country, Abraham Lincoln, Civil War, and Donald J. Trump. And he can use them because he has a father's heart. Hmm. Well, very interesting perspective. Um, and I'm sure that our listeners, many of them are acquainted with uh, Steve Strang, our owner, and uh, his books about Donald Trump, as well as his podcasts about Donald Trump, uh, the uh, God Trump and the 2020 election. So if you're listening, 
please be sure to check that out. I also want to point out uh, Papa Tom's Tales, and uh, that is available at papatomstales.com. Where all can they get your book, Tom? Well, the books are available through the bookstores. I have a publisher called Darren's Publishing, but they are making them available through the distribution system within the book business, Yes, which means you can go to Barnes Noble, and you can order any bookstore, you can order the books. You can go to In Christian bookstores or wherever. Wherever, yeah, wherever the, um, the Christian bookstores, or even uh, non-Christian bookstores. Doesn't yes, it? yes. Not really any, Anywhere in the, in, the, in the market, right. Yes. Well, and excellent. you can also go on to uh, papatomstales.com, mm-hmm. com, and it's also available on Darren's uh, Publishing's website. Okay. And through them, you can actually get it, buy it through Amazon. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's available everywhere, and uh, the first book, I understand, is out. How, how many of the books uh, are about ready to go to market? Well, um, the second book is being illustrated right now. The second mm-hmm. book is about uh, transgender, ah. and it's about a boy who thinks he's a girl named Susan. Okay. Well, we're really back to identity them. then, aren't we? Well, it, it uh, that there is confused identity. Yes, yes. <laughs> the first book is about a person who didn't know he was at all. Mm-hmm. And the second one was confused, and the the two uh, new characters being introduced into the second book is. Uh, and I was just talking to Jerry about how do you how do you do concept art of this? One is the spirit of confusion, and how that enters a person's mind. Okay. And the second one is is uh, ruach kadesh which is the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. we don't know the breath of God. Breath of God, and how yes. the, When the breath of God is breathed into a person, the spirit of confusion leaves and disperses. Amen. And that <laughs> happens in the book. All right, excellent. Well, I'm sure that uh, they'll want to look for uh, successive books in this series, Papa Tom's Tales. And remember, go to the website, Papa Tom's Tales, T-A-L-E-S, Dot com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Tom Clark. My pleasure. And it's our pleasure as well. Listeners, I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to the Charisma Connection podcast, and I hope that you'll go and listen to some of our other podcasts. We've got well over 100 different shows now. You can access them through cpnshows.com or pretty much wherever you get your podcast. But the best thing to do is go to cpnshows.com and just check out all the different podcasts and different topics that we have on there, as well as different personalities, authors, pastors that you might know, and you'll want to see what's cooking there at cpnshows.com. So thank you for listening today to Charisma Connection. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.